It's WNRI's Upfront. The opinions expressed represent those only of the panel and callers and do not reflect the views of WNRI and its owners. Telephone lines are now open at 7690600. And now, let's join the Upfront panel. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Upfront program. If I don't work uh, hot on this program, my brother's going to dock my pay, but it's going to be one of the easiest programs to do. I've got Bill Schneck here. He's going to take over and do an Autumn Fest calendar drawing. And then uh, Jim Knoyer is uh, going to speak with us for a half hour. And uh, and all he all I have to do is turn on the microphone. And uh, James is going to uh, talk about uh, his candidacy and other matters. And then uh, a little bit later on, uh, a segment paid for by friends of Lisa Baldelli Hunt. I'm not sure who will be here. Maybe she'll come, I don't know, or someone else. I think she's going to be here. That's what the whole show is all about. So uh, I'm going to turn the microphones on and uh, and just uh, listen to uh, the candidates as we draw closer to November the 8th. All right. Let me uh, look here across the studio and make sure that uh, the microphone is ready to go. And uh, say hello to Bill Schneck. Hello there, sir. Hey, good morning, Roger. Uh, good, good morning. Good. Happy November 1st. Happy November 1st to you, too. So let's get underway. I know that uh, just a quick thing on what the calendar is, uh, what we're going to do all through the month of, uh, of November. And then let's have our drawing for today. Here is Bill. Okay. Yes. Uh, well, this is the Autumn Fest 2022 calendar raffle. And it uh, is for every day, the month of November. So today is Tuesday, November 1st. And if we pick your name, uh, which we have done, I will give that information. Your name goes back into the hat. So you are eligible to win every day, technically. So today's winner for Tuesday, November 1st is Denise Hammond. Denise Hammond, 96 Mill Street here in Woonsocket. Now, if Denise is listening... I'm not sure I can read her telephone number. It's 401, and I don't know if this it's a 611 or a 651. 1916. I have her address, but if someone knows Denise, could you just let the radio station know her correct cell phone number? Then I will mail this to her, or if she's in the city, I can drop it off to her. So Denise Hammond is today's winner, and uh, today's winners are the prizes, uh, which will be every day, uh, the executive car wash, executive auto wash. There's six platinum washes, $21 value each, so there's $126. There's also a platinum car wash membership, which is a three-month membership for the platinum wash. That's $108 value. We also have two tickets to Cinderella uh, donated by the Stadium Theater. That's an $82 value, and that show is uh, November 18th. And we also have a $25 gift certificate from the Honey Shop located here in Woonsocket. So today's total value of the, the prize is $341. So, Denise Hammond. All right, and we'll have a, a drawing every morning here on WNR. Every morning. Uh, and then, for example, on a Friday, this Friday, we'll pick Friday and mm -hmm. Saturday. And then Monday, November 7th, we'll pick Sunday and the Monday. Thank you, Bill, for joining us. Hey, thank you. Have a great day. Thank you, Woonsocket voters, for allowing me to serve you for the past 18 years. This is Councilman Roger G. Gillette, Sr. The existing city council system has performed well, especially regarding our city's budget system, where it's carefully monitored by qualified, knowledgeable, and effective counselors. Hence, the city council's positive legacy should continue. Voting for Jim Kanoya, Dan Chendron, Roger Gillette, John Ward will help tremendously to ensure the city's stability, both financially and legislatively, will continue. This is Councilman Roger G. Gillette Sr. thanking you for your vote November 8th and thanking you for your vote and confidence in the next two years. Paid for a committee to elect Roger G. Gillette Sr. When you go to vote on November 8th, there will be a question on the ballot about the appointment of the city solicitor, urging you to say no and reject. This question would change the city charter and give only the city council authority to appoint the city solicitor. The mayor of the city should have input in choosing the city solicitor, since the lawyer is in City Hall daily working with the mayor. Defeat this city council power grab by voting reject on question four when you vote. Paid for by Wisconsin resident Country Bob Brady. You're listening to WNRI's Upfront, a radio internet talk show. Now, let's get back to the panel. 
Next 30 minutes, purchased by friends of James Kanoya, or friend of James Kanoya. And he's in studio uh, with uh, with me right now, and we're going to uh, chat with him for uh, the next uh, 30 minutes about his candidacy. Hello, Councilman Kanoya. How are you, Roger? I'm good. Thanks good. for having me, and thanks for the individual that um, arranged this, yes. paid for this. It wasn't me. Um, so, um, first thing I want to talk about, if, uh, if you don't mind, is the elephant in the room. Um, the removal proceedings of the mayor that uh, happened on October 6th, a uh, very unfortunate time here in the city. I think it's the only time it's ever happened. Um, but just to clarify, I know there's a lot of misinformation out there um, and people kind of hear what they want to hear. And we have uh, rags like the one socket call that don't do any real reporting. Um, laziest group I've ever seen. Um, so. Here's, here's, here's what happens. We have a city charter that the mayor and the city council raise their right hand and take an oath to uphold the Constitution of the, of the, of the U.S., the Constitution of the state, and the city charter. And in our city charter, it's very clear, very explicit. Uh, duties of the mayor enumerated. One of the key duties of the mayor is to see that all terms and conditions in any contract are faithfully kept and performed. I'll say that again, to see that all terms and conditions in any contract are faithfully kept and performed. Also, a duty of the mayor is to perform other such duties as may be required by ordinance or resolution of the council. Very straightforward, not complicated. So we found ourselves in a situation where we had a contract with the police department. Uh, they had gone over two years without a salary increase. Um, the mayor had, you know, over two years to get something done, and for a variety of reasons, it didn't get done. And we had a number of meetings starting on April 11th, uh, April 18th, May 16th, etc. Meeting after meeting after meeting after meeting, uh, in executive session with the administration. Where are we? What are we doing? What are you proposing? And unfortunately, we were not getting any, any clear answers. Um, the mayor, the administration, never brought the finance department with them to any of these meetings. No Cindy Johnson, no Paul Luber, no Chris Chamberlain. And we would say to him, where is the finance department? What are you proposing financially? And we never got anything. Um, so finally, the council said, enough of this. We have a, a depleted police department. We were down to 80-some-odd employees, despite um, Deputy Finance Director Cindy Johnson's vacancy report that incorrectly reported the 100 uh, positions as being filled. We're down to 80 some odd filled positions, number of open slots. We were losing people to other communities. We're one of the lowest, if not lowest paid departments in the state. Um, we are in a high inflationary environment. Uh, two, two years, two plus years had passed. Uh, we weren't making any progress. So the city council put something together acted as a body, and contrary to that bloviating fool, Dan York, uh, the city council voted formally um, to have the solicitor, John D. Simone, present an offer to the union. Um, and he did that. And then the union took it back to their membership. The union leadership took it to the membership. They voted on it. They, they, uh, they passed it by a very wide margin. They accepted it, came back to the council, we had a public hearing on July 25th where anybody, including the mayor or Cindy Johnson or anybody else, could have gotten up and spoke for or against it. Didn't happen. And then the council passed it again unanimously. So the council passed the budget, uh, ratified a contract unanimously, and the mayor refused to do the duties that she was sworn to uphold in the charter, which again, to see that all terms and conditions in any contract are faithfully kept and performed. And the point there is, her job, her duty is to faithfully keep and perform a contract. Doesn't say negotiate the contract. It's once the contract is done, it's her job to make sure it's performed. So the city council passed it on July 25th, ratified it, um, gave the both the mayor or the city council president the option to uh, sign and execute it. The mayor refused to sign it, so that's fine. So the 
So the city council president signed it. We had an, uh, a valid contract, and she refused to do her job pursuant to the charter, among other things. So we unfortunately had to take the action we did. Um, and frankly, if you listen to the meeting, um, if you heard John Ward, he explicitly said, I disgustingly um, vote in favor of this. And what I took from that was he disgustingly and he reluctantly voted in favor of the removal. And I think, to be very honest with you, if the mayor had shown just an ounce of contrition, as opposed to taking that typical attitude of hers of um, my way, the highway, and I do it again, yada, 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 I think John Ward would have voted against the removal. He was on the edge. Um, and all he was looking for is a little bit of acknowledgement, I suspect, from the mayor. But she made it clear that um, she would do it again. And despite, you know, the mayor had two attorneys at her disposal for two nights plus several weeks in advance. And she didn't present any case law. She couldn't point to a single provision in the charter that supported her absurd position, that the contract was illegal, that she was in charge of negotiating. Um, and despite all of that, um, you know, having those resources, she couldn't do that. But nonetheless, we ended up where we are. It's unfortunate. Nobody wanted to go down this path. As I indicated, we tried to use progressive dis discipline with a censure uh, back in September of 2021. The hopes that things would change, but um, obviously things did not. Um, I'll read to you. A couple of remarks from <clears throat> Robert Carenti in the report he issued on the Woonsocket Housing Authority where the mayor's hand-picked board of commissioners removed the entire leadership team of the Woonsocket Housing Authority. And one of the comments he made, Mr. Carenti, in his report said, The failings were characterized by a near-complete disregard for HUD policies and housing authority rules and regulations coupled with senior leaders' repeated disavowal of any responsibility and deflection of blame to others. So, you think about this, we have a city charter that explicitly states that the mayor, her duties, are to faithfully keep and perform contracts and to do whatever else is required by ordinance or resolution of the council. Despite that, she refused to... Um, refused to follow the contract and not pay uh, the good men and women in the police department. She insisted that it was her, her duty, yet couldn't provide a single shred of documentary evidence to support that, couldn't point to anything in the charter. In fact, she kept repeating in the charter and in her veto message that the charter requires the council to ratify contracts. That's not the case at all. So she doesn't even understand, frankly, what's in the charter, despite having lawyers at her disposal for weeks on end. Another comment that Mr. Carenti made in the Woonsocket Housing Report was the Director of Human Resources and the Executive Director acted as if they were free to award employees whatever raises they wanted to award without any regard for HUD oversight or Board of Commissioner oversight <clears throat> or, what's it, or enforce collective bargaining agreements. Whatever the rationale for the raises, this total disregard for existing rules and controls was, obviously, highly improper. Again, we had an administration that doled out tens of thousands of dollars in, quote, stipends, compensation increases to certain employees, a select group of employees, without any council oversight. And if you read the charter, which we're all sworn to uphold, it's the city council that sets compensation by ordinance. So, again, thumb your nose at the charter, thumb your nose at the council, and give people tens of thousands of dollars in increase uh, in compensation via stipends. And again, I'll read this uh, one more time from Mr. Carenti. The director of human resources and the, and, and the executive director acted as if they were free to award employees whatever raises they wanted without any regard for HUD oversight or board of commission oversight. Same thing. They thought, the mayor thought she could just give away compensation increases to anybody she wanted without any oversight from the city council. Lastly, I'll, I'll just comment here from Mr. Carrenti's report. He says, that the magnitude of the losses and exposures underscores the importance of vigilant oversight. So, the city council has a role to play in city government. 
The mayor is not the only elected official. There were seven other people that were elected on election day. And when the city council unanimously, and I emphasize the word unanimous, unanimously ratifies a contract and the city solicitor, who's the only individual charged with making these determinations, determines that the contract is legal, it's pencils down, game over, time to execute the contract and move on to the next issue that the city faces. But instead, uh, we unfortunately had a mayor that chose to dig her heels in, and despite everything that was not in her favor, a unanimous city council vote, a very clear uh, opinion from the, from the city solicitor um, that it was a legal contract, uh, her inability to point to a single, uh, a single uh, item in the city charter that supported her position, despite all of that, she refused to pay the good men and women in the, in the police department the raises that the unanimous city council um, agreed to. And for that and more, obviously, uh, the mayor was removed. Similarly, we pay, you know, paying out stipends without any, any consultation or approval from the city council, you cannot do that. Doesn't had, and by the way, the city council never passed any judgment on the individuals who receive stipends because there was never any discussion about it. It's not a matter of whether they deserve it or don't deserve it. If it was a dollar or a million dollars, that's not the point. It's the same issue that the Woonsocket Housing Authority faced when they, <clears throat> when they removed, again, the mayor's handpicked board removed the entire leadership team, the executive director, the personnel director, and the director of uh, safety, public safety down there. All of them were removed for some of the same issues that we faced here. So um, although I appreciate a lot of the spin, you know, the mayor under oath said that the assistant solicitor advised her that the contract was illegal. Yet, if you bothered to watch the meeting on October 17th, again, the Woonsocket Small didn't bother to report it because it doesn't fit their agenda apparently. But the assistant solicitor showed up at the city council meeting, addressed the council and the public, and made crystal clear. He never, never, ever advised the mayor that the contract was illegal. In fact, he concurred with the solicitor's well-founded position that it was legal and, in fact, assisted him in the research to confirm that. He assisted the mayor in cleaning up her veto message, which is a political document, but never advised her that the contract was illegal, despite what she, what she testified to. I'd also note that the mayor's star witness, Deputy Finance Director uh, Cindy Johnston, testified under oath that she never received a copy of the contract prior to it being ratified. And that was absolutely false. I have the email right here, July 6th, from the law department to Cindy Johnston. It's right here. You can see that, Roger. Yep. Uh, I see it, James. Yep. So April, uh, July 6th. From the law department to Cindy Johnson, sent her the contracts, completely contrary to what she testified to under oath. And in addition to that, Ms. Johnston received copies of the contract when the meeting was posted for the July 25th public hearing. It gets posted on July 21st, several days in advance of the meeting, as you all know, and she's on that distribution. So she actually literally testified under oath that she never received a copy prior to the city council ratifying it, which is an absolute false statement. Um, and that's what we're dealing with. Um, so then what happens when you have people like Jim Canoyer or others that say, oh, wait a minute. Don't pee down my leg and tell me it's raining. Don't lie to me. You and I can have a disagreement on, on, on opinions all day long, and I'm happy to do that. But don't lie to me on facts. Don't say to me that you didn't receive a copy of the contract when, in fact, you did. Don't say to me that the assistant solicitor advised you that it's illegal when he never did. And when, when someone like myself, who will not tolerate that, calls them on it and holds them accountable, all of a sudden you're a bully. Well, use all the names you want. It's called being accountable, having an honest discussion. And that's one of the problems, frankly, we have in this city. We have an administration that frankly is unencumbered by the truth, will say anything. And too few people, particularly those in the media and the press, ever call them on it. You know, the mayor has a long history. She told us when we were putting in the water treatment plant, she said the PUC had such a problem with the site that they almost shut it down. Absolutely false. I picked the phone up. I called Tom Ahern at the PUC. 
He said, absolutely not, Jim. I got it in writing. I have the emails. The mayor told the gentleman on Mount St. Charles Ave who was having problems with his water because the city rearranged the water lines when they repaved uh, some of the roads over there. He was upset that his water was dirty and appropriately so. The answer he got from the mayor was, oh, that's because the city council decided to put a water treatment plant on Gilson Ave. Absolutely false. And to Steve, Steve, Director D'Agostino's credit, he corrected her on that and, and told the gentleman that it had nothing to do with that. When we had the veto this year, she vetoed the budget this year and she told Councilwoman Gonzalez that she didn't veto individual line items. She had to veto the whole thing because it was just one amendment. Again, a lie. And I held up the prior vetoes that she had done. We've done the budget the same way for the last five or six years, a single amendment. And in years past, she vetoed individual line items within that amendment. But she told Councilwoman Gonzalez that the, uh, she had to veto the whole thing because it was one amendment. Absolutely false. Okay. In her veto on the police contract, she said the council acted in a vacuum and excluded input from the administration. Again, absolutely not true. We had meeting after meeting after meeting after meeting. We absolutely took into account the very limited information we got from the, from the administration, including making sure that we didn't have any uh, retros for all the overtime and everything else, all the miscellaneous stuff, which is, a, which is a, a very difficult thing to calculate. We made sure that was excluded from the settlement with the, with the, uh, the police contract. Um, and again, she testified under oath that the assistant solicitor advised her that the contract was illegal. And that, that, that was not, not at all true, and we know that now. You wouldn't know it from reading the one socket call, but if you actually watched the meeting... October 17th, the second uh, YouTube, it's out there. Um, it's worth watching, and you'll see uh, what we're talking about. James, <clears throat> we only have two emails, and they're both the same topic. Mm. So let me, and I, I think it's appropriate to your visit here. Sure. Email number one says, uh, in December, after the inauguration, can you have James contrast the city council and what it would uh, be like if we reelected the current council members and put them back on the council, including yourself and Ward and so forth, against and also contrast what it would look like if uh, all of her uh, designated uh, candidates were elected to uh, the council and how in socket city government would contrast. The other email, same thing. I want, them, I want them to know I got them. Hey, Booch, uh, ask the candidate if he thinks having seven people who all agree with the mayor carries a so-called balance of power, or does it create a condition whereby only one person is in total control of everything? Basically the same question. Yeah. What's so, the answer? Uh, so the second, the second one who said, hey, Booch, I think hits the nail on the head. There's been a lot of discussion and a lot of uh, talk about, quote, balance of power. Um, and I would suggest to you that right now we have a balance of power. And if the administration, the mayor, I should say, more specifically, has a way, we'll have no balance of power. Because she's running seven candidates. She's literally paying for their campaigns. And um, they're running ads on this radio station and in the newspapers and so forth, paid for by the mayor. So you'll have a circumstance, you know, more than likely, where you'll have seven members that are just... Look, I said it at the meeting on October 17th. Um, we in the council, we were elected as well. We get paid to do a job, and I hate to disappoint people. Um, I'm not going to be a potted plant that sits there and waits for direction from the mayor. I'm going to do my job. And that's what you end up having if you kind of go down this path where the mayor's by, uh, paying for and running seven candidates and so forth. Um, they're beholden to the mayor at this point for getting elected. And, you know, I heard one, one individual who effectively said, you know, when asked why you're running, that the answer, the initial answer was something to the effect, you know, the mayor asked me to. Um, you know, I was on the personnel board. I was on the water advisory committee. I went to meeting after meeting after meeting for a number of years uh, before I ever decided to run. Um, most of the folks, you know, absent Chris Beauchamp um, and Garrett uh, Manseri, uh, most of the people that have run, I've never seen them at a council meeting up until we had the removal hearings, and they haven't been back since. Um, 
so if you want a balance of power, um, you have it now. Um, I would strongly urge you to consider returning John Ward, Roger Gillette, Dan Gendron, and Jim Kenoy to the council. If you don't want a balance of power and you want just groupthink, then you should definitely go with the mayor's slate. Um, but I'll tell you, you know, again, Jim Kenoy and John Ward and Roger and Dan Gendron, as I said, are not going to be potted plants. We're going to do a job. We get paid $9,000 a year to do a job. Um, and we're going to do it. You know, I look at stuff like, and I mentioned this at the last meeting. People said, oh, you negotiated a contract with the police. No, I didn't. I spoke to the police. I spoke to council members. I spoke to members of the public. I spoke to the police chief. I spoke to the mayor. I spoke to lots of people. And I did what I always do. I asked questions. I listened. And then I put forth a proposal. Um, we had the cell tower leases. I did the same thing. I asked questions. I spoke to Mike DeBroyce. I spoke to Director D'Agostino. And as a result of my, of my efforts, we're getting twice the amount on the new cell tower leases that we otherwise would have. The mayor put forth something, her administration, and I did my, I did my job. We're getting twice the amount. Same thing with Thunder Mist Hydro Plant. The mayor, uh, the administration put something on the docket for us to uh, make an assignment for a new entity. I actually read the stuff. I looked at it. I, looked at the, I got copies of the agreements. I asked questions, and I learned that nobody was paying attention to the cost of living adjustment that was supposed to uh, be built in. And as a result of my efforts, we got $106,000 into the general fund. Because I actually asked questions and I didn't sit there and just wait and, and, and vote and do what I was told to do. Um, Walnut Hill. Remember the wall up on Walnut Hill where that had that tragic accident with a young man that was killed with, on the motorcycle in part because of the blind spot. Well, the administration was working on that and they were going to do diet studies and uh, for the uh, road, roadway and have DOT do studies and talking about all kinds of nonsense. And I looked up the law and I said to the administration, you have every right to declare this wall a hazard and you give the owner 30 days to knock it down or you can take it down yourself and that's what we ended up doing no light no diet study just take the wall down it's easy um, because i actually spent the time to look at the issue the ho kong property the ho kong restaurant um you've heard a lot about that the mayor wanted to buy that uh she went about it completely wrong in my opinion two years ago around this time she had a press conference quote uh, attended by dozens and dozens of City Hall employees where she talked about Cass Park um, and Gold and Them Their Hills and all this other stuff and that we needed Ho Kong. Um, and then she tried to buy it and the guy wanted an outrageous amount of money. She got two of her, two of her uh, running mates, um, um, Councilwoman Gonzalez and Councilman Susi to put on the docket 850 they wanted to buy it for 850000 I looked at the appraisal. It was flawed. It was, the, the appraisal we had was only 625000 so why are we paying eight fifty? It was overstated. It went through all that. Uh, we voted to amend it down to eight hundred instead of eight fifty. We were criticized for that. Uh, well, guess what, Roger? We now have a purchase and sale agreement for 800000 If we didn't do our job and we didn't ask questions and we didn't push back and we just went along with the mayor as the other two did, We'd be paying eight fifty instead of eight hundred. Um, I hear the mayor saying, and some of her friends saying that we're holding up progress, and they talk about Cass Park. Um, well, here's a resolution, Roger, from November of two thousand one, passed unanimously, and that was authorizing the director of public works to solicit bids through public advertisement for the purchase of sand and gravel from Cass Park. So the council was, is very supportive of doing something at Cass Park. We passed a resolution unanimously to go out to bid. Well, guess what? They went out to bid. And they didn't get anything. That's not my fault. Uh, a few other things that I didn't hear you mention uh, that uh, come to mind, and that sure. would be uh, acquisition of the All Saints property, the uh, closing of the deal on the middle school. Yep. And um, also um, Providence Street um, uh, deal there yep. and um, a few others. How come you forgot those? I didn't forget them. <laughs> I didn't forget them. Um, so you mentioned, you know, there was a press release. I think I saw it went out yesterday. Um, the city of Woonsocket closed on the sale of the former middle school, sold it for a million dollars, less uh, fees for the broker and so forth. And again, that's because the city council took the initiative 
to engage. We went out to RFP and we engaged a uh, real estate broker. One of her running mates was very upset at the time that they weren't given the contract. But nonetheless, uh, Michael Alves uh, and Chris Lowe from Keller Williams uh, got the contract and they've done a great job. And they've uh, successfully sold Ayotte Field for 750000 and that's being developed. Um, and they've, uh, we closed yesterday a million dollars on the middle school. Uh, to uh, a group out of Boston that does um, this type of work and they plan to put in some uh, residential units there. So that's very exciting. Again, but that's because the city council uh, took the initiative and brought in a professional broker and we got the job done. Um, same thing with, you know, Hamlet Ave and um, Burnside Ave. Some of those blighted properties the mayor had uh, gone after and again, we brought in a broker, sold it and got it done. Um, so look, the, the council we have right now provides a very good balance. Uh, I've, I said this the last time I ran, I'll say it again. If the mayor has a good idea, I'll support it 100%. In fact, I'll, I'll, I'll try to make it a better idea. If she has a bad idea or, or a misguided idea or, or worse, a, an idea that she hasn't thought out very well, I'm going to push back. That's my job. That's our job. Yeah, isn't that the idea of the council? Exactly. <laughs> so I know, And I know some people, like the scary lady, think otherwise, but again... We have a job to do, and I hear this, this, this nonsense that by removing the mayor, which, again, nobody had wanted to do that, um, but by removing the mayor, we somehow uh, canceled out 7,200 votes, the 7,000-some-odd uh, people that voted for the mayor. Well, guess what? Jim Canoy and John Ward had votes, too. I had over 5,000 votes. And when people voted for me the last time, they had 13 other choices. When they voted for the mayor, they had one other choice. So what about the 5,000 uh, voters that voted for Jim Canoy or John Ward or Denise Sierra or Dan Gender and everybody else, um, when we try to get things done, things get thwarted. You've got two minutes, sir. So, um, look, um, we'll see what happens on November 8th. I'm going to be very honest with you, uh, Roger, and I think you know this about me. I'm good either way. I can afford, frankly, probably better than um, a lot of people in the city. I can afford the mistakes that get made if they go pay $850,000 for whole Kong versus 800000 um, I can afford if they ignore the terms and conditions of the Thunder Mist contract. I can afford if they don't uh, get a better deal on the cell tower leases. I can afford all that, very honestly. I can just move along with my life and I'll be fine. But there's a lot of people that can't. Um, so... We'll see what happens. I know there's a lot of misinformation out there. We have, a, as I said, a media and a press with the, the likes of Dan York and the, uh, the Woonsocket Call, etc., that are very lazy and don't do any real work and are not interested in, in reporting the facts. Um, so, you know, anything could happen. It could be a complete wipeout, and I'm fine with that. But if you do want a balance of power and you do want things to be done in a, in a disciplined, business-like uh, uh, fashion, um, there's a reason we don't have a budget commission anymore. Um, if you look at the budgets that the city council has insisted upon, rebuilding our surplus and so forth, um, there's a reason all that has happened. And it's uh, a lot, much to do with the city council and the approach we've taken. And guess what? The roads have been plowed. The streets have been paved. The fires have been put out. So I'll leave it at that. Thank you, James Kanoya, for joining us on this uh, paid segment paid for by friend of James Kanoya. You. You're quite welcome, sir. We're going to pause for a few uh, advertisements, and then uh, we'll go to our next segment. Paul Bourget is chairman of the Woonsocket School Committee and is asking for you to vote to re-elect him and the current members of the school committee, including Donald Burke, Lynn Kapiskus, Alan LeClaire, and Amy Coster. For the past two years, your current school committee has provided experience, leadership, and commitment to our students, their parents, and the school administration. They've listened and acted on school issues such as bullying and mask wearing, and they've approved programs and personnel to address learning loss and social and emotional support. In addition, they've provided a safe and healthy environment for our students. Also, they continue to advocate for the nutritional needs of all students. And currently, they're planning for the building and rehabilitation of our schools. Kindly know that this school committee will make sure that our students receive the best education possible. So please cast your vote for Donald Burke. Lynn Kapiskus, Alan LeClaire, Amy Coster, and Paul Bourget. Paid for by the campaign for Paul Bourget. Hi, I am Brian Thompson, candidate for Woonsocket City Council. On November 8th, I ask all Woonsocket voters to reject question four and respectfully ask for your vote. Paid for by friends of Lisa Baldelli Hunt. The high cost of living, rising energy costs, safe streets, 
and secure elections. These are the issues facing every Rhode Islander, and they require real leadership and real solutions. My name is John Brian, and I am ready to work for the people, not the parties. I want to lower the sales tax, the gas tax, and implement tax holidays that will make our state more competitive with our neighbors and ease the burden on our residents. I'll oppose any radical environmental legislation that will drive up the cost of your energy bill, and I'll work to stop unreasonable energy rates like the 43% increase we all just felt in our electric bills. As a former state representative and vice president of the Woonsocket City Council, I have the experience and knowledge to hit the ground running on day one. I humbly ask for your vote, and I look forward to serving you as your state representative. Paid for, friends of John Brian. I'm Chaz Kalinda, running to be the next Rhode Island Attorney General. I've practiced law for the past 16 years and 12 of them as a prosecutor in the Attorney General's office, so I know what it takes. The Attorney General is the people's attorney and should always advocate for the rights of the people of the state, not for any political party or special interest. I'm not running to push a political agenda. I want to enforce our laws and the Constitution above all else. My values always represent my clients, and my clients as Attorney General will be you, the people of Rhode Island. The Attorney General can do so much good with the right person in office, and I want to use this position to benefit all Rhode Islanders, not just those who agree with my politics. I want to be your voice to bring the power back to the people. So I need your support. You can visit my website at chas4ag.com. That's chas, the number 4ag.com to donate. And then vote Charles Kalenda for Attorney General on November 8th. Paid for by friends of Charles Kalenda. Donald G. Burke, present vice chair of the Woonsocket School Committee, asked for your vote again in the upcoming election. Having served now for seven years, Burke again is asking for voters to return him to the school committee for another two-year term. As an educator of 45 years, Burke understands well the bigger picture of education and the great need to create policies and programs which focus on enhancing the education of our children in Woonsocket. As chair of the Health and Wellness Subcommittee and Technology Subcommittee and member of the policy subcommittee, Burke leads with compassion and listens with an open mind. Since the school committee race is contested this year, Donald Burke needs your vote even more to continue serving the educational community of the city and most importantly, advocating for the students of the Woonsocket Education Program. Always a voice of care and a voice of reason with a voice of educational experience. Donald G. Burke, humbly asking again for your vote so he can continue giving the voice to the important needs of our students as a member of the Woonsocket School Committee. Paid for by the campaign for Donald G. Burke. And tonight is a half price on a bottle of wine night at Savini's Pomodoro Italian Kitchen and Bar. That's right. The entire wine menu, a $35 bottle of wine is half price. $40 bottle of wine, half price. We'll be open at 4 o'clock this afternoon Savini's Pomodoro, Tanya Kitchen and Bar. And so we went to an event at the Stadium Theater Sunday night. We went over to Savini's on Sunday night, got ourselves a nice booth, and had the, um, it's a good deal. Um, we had a, an entree and, and then the salad bar with the, uh, with the soup and the bread and everything is so good. And um, you can find the nicest looking salad bar in the city right there at the Savini's Pomodoro, Italian Kitchen and Bar. Right here in Woonsocket on Rathbun Street. Open again at 5, uh, excuse me, open at, at 4 o'clock this afternoon. One more message. Hello, Woonsocket. I am Michelle Stabor, and I'm running for Woonsocket School Committee. I am not better than any other candidate in this race, but I would be a fresh set of eyes on the committee if elected. My vision is for education that focuses on the basics, fosters parental involvement, and focuses on building students with character. If you share this vision, then vote Michelle Stabor for Woonsocket School Committee. Paid for by friends of Michelle Stabor. All right, let's uh, get back to the upfront program. And to do that, though, we have to have the official rejoin uh, music. So here we go. You're listening to WNRI's Upfront, a radio internet talk show. Now, let's get back to the panel. We are back in the uh, following segment, purchased by friends of Lisa Baldelli Hunt. She's in the studio last night, and I am known to ask all the tough questions. 
did I sell more? Uh, did I give away more bags uh, of Halloween treats than you? Uh, I'm, uh, I want want to see if I can win that race. <laughs> um, did you just say I'm in the studio last night? Uh, no, I'm, I'm. I want to know if I oh. beat you in terms of giving away. Oh, okay, okay, uh, okay. No, right, I was going to say, all right, this is not pre-recorded. <laughs> no, 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 no. Uh, I. All I know is my husband bought 650 pieces of candy. Oh. But, of course, he gave out multiple pieces. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, but I do know that your chips are popular. Uh-huh. And I just told you that I will buy uh-huh. more airtime uh-huh. so you have more money to buy more chips because okay. All right. you, run out. You, right. you run out too fast. Right. I depend on these segments. <laughs> so what are we going to talk about for the next uh, 15 minutes? So uh, I was I I did have an approach until I heard... Um, Jim Knoyer on Mm -hmm. on the radio. So um, I learned something a while ago, and it's called uh, lies by omission. And I'll just give you a simple example of that. And the example is if you tell me uh, that, yes, I did. I did back my car up. I put it in reverse, and I backed up my car. And that's true. That is a fact, and facts matter, as we know. But what you didn't say is when you backed up your car, you hit another car. So it's pots of stories. And I want to I want to stay positive during the campaign as I have. Uh, but I also need to call out when things are not accurate. And I want to uh, say, and I think you would agree with me, that there's no question that Jim Kanoya is an intelligent person. Uh, there is no question about that. And he's, he's highly intelligent, in fact. But I find what Jim has a difficult time with is allowing anybody to have an opinion but him. And if you notice on the council, if you pay attention to the council, there's almost one person on the council. And when Jim says something or amends something or does something, everybody has to follow along and you'll watch him look at them or glare at them. And it, listen, it's everybody has to work on themselves to make themselves better people, to recognize when they have shortcomings. And that is something where when Jim sets his mind on something, come hell or high water, he's going to make it happen. Just like with the contract that he negotiated, which he literally brought to a meeting, which I was at, and wanted that contract. Come hella high water. And if it meant removing me from office, Jim was going to get what he wanted. And I think, I think part of what's disturbing is even when you listen to him um, and he states that, you know, our local newspaper, The Call, he calls it a rag and then he calls another uh, radio uh, personality, I think he, he said, a bloviating fool. And then he refers to the newspaper again and calls it the small instead of the call. And it's, it's, that's a form of bullying, like I've been trying to tell people, uh, which is wrong and unprofessional. And these are the things that he does and makes these comments and condescending comments. And it's not good for the city of Woonsocket. And does he have intelligence when it comes to numbers? He does. But we also have highly intelligent people who work for the administration. So the reason we're having surpluses or been been able to reduce the tax rates over the years is because of the work that the administration does. And then, of course, we have no issue with taking input from anyone, whether it's the public, the council, uh, professionals. We have auditors that are mandated. We have the state that needs to review our documents. We have a uh, director. We have a a deputy director. Uh, We have Paul Luba, who's still with us. So... Is he good with numbers? Yes. But the work, the real work is being done by the people who are employed there and then the state and others and our auditing company, which is which is mandated for all cities and towns uh, to to be able to um, monitor what we're doing to make sure everything is fine. Keep in mind, when I took office, we were in a disaster. And people like Roger Gillette, Dan Gendron, John Ward, these are people who had sat on the council and watched this happen 
and did not put the brakes on. But then suddenly, we need other individuals to monitor what's happening. So I, ju- I just want to uh, touch on a couple of things. And, um, you know, he talks about, you know, if you elect certain people, there'll be no balance. Well, quite frankly, if you watch council meetings, there is no balance because it's Jim's way or the highway. And I understand that Dan Gendron's in a tough spot. Dan Gendron works for Jim Canoya's family business. Jim, Dan Gendron and his wife, they both work for the, the nursing home that Jim Canoya's family owns. Their entire household income stems on their employment there. So it's, it's an imbalance. It's, it's, to me, it's a conflict. That is why you constantly see Jim tapping Dan, whispering in his ear, telling him what to do, texting, and things like that. It's unhealthy to have that because he's obligated to Jim. And that's not good for the residents of the city. He also talks about the fact that... Um, and, and, and again, Cindy Johnston, a very, very highly qualified person, 28 years of service, and in his condescending way, calls her the star witness. That, that's not a warm address. That's an intentional address and talks about the fact that she said she didn't receive an email. Well, she did say that. And then she corrected herself in the media and said she looked back and there was an email that came that she had missed. Because people are human and they do make mistakes. Also, you know, Jim started off by saying basically that, you know, they had to remove me because the charter states that you have to follow ordinances and you have to follow resolutions. But again, omissions that he does not tell you. What he does not tell you is the very three pieces of legislation that Sierra put forward as the censorship were faulty documents, faulty legal documents that was proven at the hearings. So the very censorship that they based this foundation on crumbled. So they had no foundation. But what he didn't tell you was they did not follow the charter because the charter states that every resolution and ordinance needs to be reviewed by the city solicitor for accuracy and legality before it can go on the agenda. But see, he didn't tell you that because he likes to spew pots of stories. And those three documents were illegal. They voted on them. So if they're paying attention to detail, how did they miss that? Or was it intentional, Roger? Was this the beginning of the plan to do this? Of course it was. Of course it was. So those are the things that he does not tell you. And then when he speaks about the contract, and of course he goes after people and comments on them, the contract is negotiated the key negotiator from the, from the administration side is the city solicitor. But see, he won't talk about the city solicitor because he's got the city solicitor wrapped around his finger. Because the city solicitor can be removed by five votes of the city council. And the city solicitor can count. And he knows that block of five would remove him and his $180,000 package, which the council gave raises to him over the last two years even though he doesn't even come to work eight hours a day but they get what they want from him that's at a cost to the taxpayers in addition to that the city solicitor is the key negotiator in contracts the city solicitor failed the city and failed the police officers so when Jim tries to make it look like he's this big, huge supporter of police and fire or public safety and, you know, the good women at police and fire. Yet we understand the importance of our public safety officials. And that is why, since I've been mayor, 
we have invested millions of dollars into our police department. And our police department brings law and order to the city of Woonsocket. But the failure in the contract was the doing of the very city solicitor that they refused to remove. Now, I'm going to go back to balance for a second. And he talks about balance, the importance of balance. If the balance was so important, then why did the five of them, led by John Ward and Roger Gillette, put forward a question on the ballot, ballot question four, which I'm hopeful people will reject, to, re, to bring imbalance to the city, where right now the mayor, any mayor, puts forward a name to be the city solicitor, and the council has to ratify that. Well, these very five people want to change that in the city and allow only the city council to choose who the solicitor is and no, don't even need five votes. You only need four. So you will basically mandate to the administration, to the directors, to the chiefs, to everyone working within City Hall that you're going to use the attorney we choose because, of course, we want to control that attorney like we control the attorney that we have here now, meaning them. And then I'm going to talk about, he brought up the assistant city solicitor and how uh, the assistant city solicitor did not say that the contract was illegal. Well, first of all, they have no idea what my conversation was with the assistant solicitor. He's an attorney, and I didn't listen to what he said at the last meeting. But I will tell you this. They passed that contract. I got calls from elected officials in Washington, mayors and town administrators across the state, and they said, what the hell is going on in Woonsocket where we're hearing that your city council negotiated the contract, which was Jim Kanoya in his yellow spreadsheet that he brought in. Again, with no language changes that were brought up during negotiations. Only one that he wanted for health care. And I spoke to the assistant city solicitor and he wrote the veto message. I had no exchange with him about what to put in a veto message. So I don't know who said what. Again, of course, they lose their job if they don't say what the council wants. So they're, they're, uh, I'm going to end on this. It's so childish to be calling people puppets, especially people that are running for council, like folks that I'm supporting, business owners, talented people, people who have experience and want to bring good energy and positive things. And you call them puppets. It's, it's, it's immature because on the flip side, you have five people who are in lockstep. So think about what you're doing before you start to attack people. And I'm asking you, I am, imagine what we can do in this city if we had folks who would work together respectfully. Now, we're going to pick up on this conversation Thursday morning. Sure. At 845. Okay. So looking forward to uh, continuing our discussion with you. I will see you then. Thank you. Preceding uh, segment, paid for friends of Lisa Baldelli Hunt. Hey, that's it for the Upfront program for today. We'll see you tomorrow. Uh, Chris Boulay will be here. And, um, and so stay tuned for Authors Hour. With uh, Wayne Barber. Curbside pickup yeah. at Ollie's Pizzeria. And now the news from the um, Salem Radio News Network.